Let's give the Lord a clap off here once more. <laughs> Jesus, we serve you. We love you. We thank you. Lord, we applaud you, oh God. We give you reverence and worship with the clapping of our hands. In Jesus' name, receive it. Amen. Someone say amen. You may be seated. So, <clears throat> I'll start off by saying that we're living in exciting times. Amen. 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 And I, I believe today I'm here to keep, get some of you up to speed. Amen. It was, yeah. And refreshers to some, <clears throat> some of you that have been here, well, all along with us. I, you know God always gives us something new. And it's up to us. All right. I'm going to need my, my handkerchief today, and I left it, I think, in my desk. Diana, if you get it. <clears throat> I feel it coming on, and when I feel it coming on, sometimes I, I uh, get a little too excited here, so I need my handkerchief. Praise the Lord. We don't want showers of blessing upon you. <laughs> You've already been baptized. Thank you. So today we're going to be speaking from the book of uh, Esther. And I'm going to try to take a, a theme out of it instead of usually the, the, the events of Esther are so exciting that so many times we like to recount and they should be recounted every year, uh, but today I'm going to have to take a, a little different twist on it and just, and just uh, focus on the uh, baby at hand. <clears throat> so, how do they say... Uh, Good intentions are like crying babies in church. No good unless they're carried out. So. <laughs> now, Esther, from the book, we're going to read, uh, or I'm going to start pointing out verses of scriptures from Esther chapter number three, verse number five. And we're going to be reading, and I'll try to name them when we do change, verses through 10, I believe. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought, to, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. I'm sorry. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Asherahus, even the people of Mordecai. Now, <clears throat> we have skipped the story about the rejection of, of the queen of Ashtai and, and the entrance of, of Esther, but we want to go immediately to the, the hatred of, of uh, Haman toward the Jews, symbolizing the hatred, the, un, the demonic hatred up to this day of uh, hatred uh, aimed at the Jewish people. And so there's been a thing throughout the scriptures that the Agagites were supposed to be have war with the Jews forever. And so here, Haman is an Agagite of the line of... And so he is one that springs up to try to destroy a Hitler-type person, if you, 
uh, if you probably as bad or equal. So he's, they're compared to one with the other. So he has his hatred. His hatred comes simply from his pride. And no doubt there's already hatred there. But when he finds out that, or when he sees that Mordecai does not give him honor, because uh, Haman has been promoted to a place of honor under the king. And so when he goes, everybody in, the, everybody in that providence, uh, they and Shushan, they bow to him, or they bow to him. So the only one that will not, according to Mordecai. And so he becomes so angry, and they try to, they coax him, listen, just bow, for, just bow, just don't get the man mad. But he refuses to. So he finds out, and the Bible says that, he puts it in this way, he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. In other words, he, he was refused to just take Mordecai down alone. He's going to take the nation down with him. So this is what he said. The, it, it goes from one man, and he represents the whole nation. And so he becomes very angry. And so he is, has been promoted, and he takes care of the king's business. And so they have a way of ruling in those days that is not familiar to us. But there's a term that they use there, and they cast lot, or they cast what it's called per, P-U-R, and it means they, they take names and they choose and they decide different things by the casting of lots. Whether it's business, whether it's choosing people to go for an admission, whether it's yes or no on a certain bill that comes before him or proposals, they, they, he, they cast per, the Bible says, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So this is the way they do business. And that's the way they do business. It seems like up in Washington now. Just, they're probably flipping coins up there now. So this is what the, the way they're doing it. They cast per, uh, or they cast lots. And to them, it's almost like a divine thing that their gods are causing this to take place. Even, even the Bible tells us that, that the lot is cast on the lap, but the Lord determines the showing thereof. Whatever comes up, when it's a thing that they did in the scriptures, uh, the Lord determined it. Remember they would cast lots in one instance for goats and, and the one would be slain and one would be taken out to the wilderness. So lots would make the decision and it seemed like chance, but it wasn't chance. It was the Lord determining the course of events. So <clears throat> here we are that they're in office and the Bible tells us that it is the first uh, part of the year. Uh, it is the first month of the year, Esther 3 and 7, it says, in the first month, that is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Eshuherus, they cast per. So the twelfth year of his reign, on the first beginning of that year of his reign, on the first month, they started to cast lot, they started their business meeting, every decisions were being made, and so, you know, to us, you get the idea that they're throwing dice, but they're not, they're just casting names, and they're picking up names. And they're taking care of business. So as they're casting lots, and it's business as usual, he has this hatred. He has this hatred toward uh, Mordecai. He has this hatred, intense hatred, and he, he's going to take the whole nation down somehow. And somehow, he figures out, the devil puts it in his heart and mind that I know what I'm going to do since I've got to a place where, where I'm going to help the king to get richer and to have more money in his, in his accounts that I'm going to propose that this people, they don't honor the king. Their ways are different. 
They're not like the rest of us. They don't assimilate. They don't, they don't take our, our customs. And so they're no good to us, king. You know, this is what you're talking about. They're no good, good to us. They're going to be our enemies. We should kill them and destroy them. And everything, if you give me permission to do this, then all the silver that I gather from all this the massacre, I will give to you. I'll bring it to you. And uh, the king, you know, the king, he's, he's sort of, uh, he, well, he used to being a king. He didn't want to be bothered with it. So he's just signing off on stuff. He's all right, all right, we'll do that. That sounds like a good idea. You're going to get, you're going to kill all these people. Unknowing that his wife is a Jew. She hasn't revealed to the king that she's a Jew. So he decides, he just throws it out there, go ahead and, and, and do it. So they say, all right. He's excited about it. So they bring in the scribes. The scribes are the individuals that write everything down to make decrees. And so he said, the decree goes out that the king says, well, uh, uh, well he brings him in. The Bible gives us a distinct thing. He says, the Bible says that on the, that on the 13th day of the first month, he said, let it, let, uh, let it be written. And so they cast lots on that day to make that decision. On the 13th day of the first month. Now, we're going to stop there just to lay a few, say a few things here. The third, does anyone know what the 13th day of the first month is? Well, no. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> what? The 13th day of the first month is the day that they crucified Jesus. All right? And that is the day that crucified him, that a lot of events took place. And the Bible says this about that particular day. That it was prophesied in the book of Psalms that they part my garments among them and they cast lots upon my vesture. Also, that's the... Uh, where it starts coming up, and then the Bible says in Matthew, and they crucified him, and they parted his garments, casting lots, that they might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, that they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. Mark puts it this way, and when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, of what every man should take. So whoever, whichever man wanted a garment, they, they had a little Peter, like a a little shot, something that they belong to them, and they says, we're going to cast it. That represents me, and they cast them onto a pot, and for this part of the clothing, I want that. They would reach in, pick it out. Oh, you know what the winner is? You get, you get the robe. You get this part. And so they casted lots, so they would have souvenirs of the crucifying of Jesus by keeping his garments. Now, it is a unique thing. Well, I want you to remember that, that it's that's when that happened. Christ had not been crucified yet, but they were casting lots, or they were determining on that day, we're going to kill all the Jews. On the 13th day of the first month, they decided. And listen, many years down the road, it's not coincidence that the king of the Jews is crucified on that day. Because these things all point to something. It tells us, number one, that there has to be a divine author to have written this book to put all these things to be fulfilled when the book of Psalms says they're going to cast my lot. They're going to cast, and then there's a story that says on that day, they didn't have to put that in. It, it doesn't make no sense to put it in there if it wasn't to match up with Jesus' crucifixion. But it's put there by the same spirit that wrote the whole Bible. Praise the Lord. That's, that's why you can have confidence 
in God's word. That what it says, it is so. It will happen. It is perfect. All of it points to one thing, and that one thing is Jesus. That's when we talk about that day, we point to Jesus. Psalms points to Jesus. When Jesus does it, they remember, and it points back to everything the prophets have said. That's how the Bible proves itself. Can we give the Lord a clap offering on that? <clears throat> and so they, they have cast lot, and they've determined this, that on the, it says, if it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And then it talks about how they're going to uh, supply. I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of this business to bring it into the king's treasuries. So they said, we're going to bring all this money, all, all the loot that we take from them, all their, all their just the way uh, Hitler did with even the fillings, the glasses, jewelry. That's what he did. Hitler did. This is what Haman did thousands of years before. It is the same devil. Same devil. And so he gives it into their hand to do this. And then it says... Then, excuse me, and the letters were sent to all the posts of the king's provinces to, to destroy and to kill and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month. So the beginning of the year, this is at the end of the year, at the last month on the 13th day, Every, but we're going to allow everybody to kill the Jews and to take all their possessions. Now, this is, this is an amazing thing. When I, when I bring out to you that, that uh, the casting of the lots is very important. Uh, Purim, the festival, means casting of lots. But you have to remember this. Everything that happens in our lives that seems like it happens per chance doesn't happen per chance. Right. Everything that happened to you in your youth, everything that happened to you accidents, uh, near misses, the way you were called to the church, all the bad things that could happen maybe up to this day did not happen for chance. But all things work together for the good, that them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So when you're going through stuff, it's not because God hates you, it's not because he's picking on you, it's not because, it is because something valuable is going to come. The ultimate essence is eternal life for us. Uh, and God, we take all these instances to, to fact, and then God will produce to you, in you, things, and you'll get an understanding, and you'll become thankful. This is why it's written. You count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. They're grievous when we're going through them. And some of you, you know, and you might, you might have been through some stuff that you want to quit. You want to throw your hands up. But the Bible tells us here they have received a death sentence. Can you hear that? Someone said death sentence. Every one of them is going to die. They're going to perish, destroyed. Not just men that go to war, women and children. Everyone that breathes as a Jew is going to die. And so it becomes a very, very uh, uh, stressful, terrible time. And so they send these they send this out to all, throughout all, and he is the king. He's ruling the world. So everywhere is told, 
You get to kill the Jews and you get to take their money. I saw a similar thing one time advertised on, on a movie or television where people were given one day a year to kill each other, something like that. It's weird stuff. But you see, it has remnants or it has a taste of something like this. That you have permission without... See, they could kill the Jews without penalty. So, and the Jews were scared to death because they did not have... They were not a, They were safe. They, they were business people. They weren't warriors. They were, they were living inside a land protected by the armies of the king. They weren't so much all involved in the armies. So they knew that even the army, people that were there, could have legal right to go kill them. So it was a bad situation all around. Now we know this, that... that the plot is discovered. If you've never read this, you need to back, go back and read it, and God will show you some, uh, maybe some other things. But it's important that you understand what this is about. And so we understand they crucified the part of his garments. Oh, let me say one more thing here before I move on here. When, we're, when I was talking about G, when the casting of lots on the 13th day, and then Jesus crucified the cast lots, and he died on that 13th day, and then on the 14th day, the Sabbath, he was, he was already in the ground. Uh, is that when you read the story of Jonah, and Jonah's in, uh, he's a, uh, asleep on the, on the ship, and there's a great storm, and they say, wait, what are you doing asleep there? Don't you call upon your God? And so he wakes up, yawns, and says, you know what? I'm the problem. He says, uh, excuse me, yeah, excuse me. They went and they cast lots. Here's what it says. Let me see if I, it says, and they said, everyone, fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for what cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. And so they took up Jonah. So when Jonah took up on the problem, they didn't, they didn't want to cast him over. But so they, the Bible then says that they took Lot, John, they took Jonah and, and they were scared to throw him over. So he just told them, go ahead and cast me over. So they took him. And the Bible says that they threw him over and a great fish took him in. And immediately it says, immediately it says that the, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So just the way Jesus, they cast lots before he was three days and three nights. Before that happened, they cast lots and then they threw Jonah. G, and, and for three days and three nights he was there. Jesus was crucified and he touched three days and nights in the belly of, in, of the earth. So that's another, that's another watermark that God puts there to say, look, this is my book. Quit doubting me. Look, this is my, don't let nobody tell you that this is an accident. Don't let nobody tell you that there's contradictions in the Bible. Don't let anybody tell you that the Bible is written by too many men and it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Don't let anybody, no, because we who study the Bible know it's per, it is perfect. And you get three witnesses here telling you associated with Jesus Christ. So if it tells you to do something, you do it. And, and you know, this is how we grow into it. Most of the time we hear, hey, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, no matter what we were born, we realize, we start studying it. Well, people are baptized this way. People are baptized that way. And, and, and you know what? Maybe we don't need to get baptized. And, and you have all sorts of ideas, you know. And, but when you see God's word and you trust exactly what it says, and you forsake, you know, you forsake everything else, you trust God, 
this what happened to me. I trusted God, and then I didn't all sorts of proof. I just believed God for that, that God's true. And so then all this information God gave to me, because by faith, I understood from the groundwork, that's where we all begin, water baptism in Jesus' name. No other name I know, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. So once you do that, everything's going to point to Jesus. Once you, once, you, uh, once you renounce a hardened heart or a heart of unbelief, then God begins to stir in you. And you, he gives you the peace that passes all understanding and hope. And the promises of God begin to be yours. And, and that's what I call it. That's what the Bible calls living for God Amen. instead of living for self. Right. So... They crucified, excuse me, we talked about them crucifying. Now, this is important. Now, this took place. She reveals herself, and we're not going to go through that portion of the story, but what happened basically is she shows herself to the king. She had a big feast. She shows herself to the king, and she said, oh, king, the king was delighted because of the beautiful spread that they had there. And he says, how can I be happy when they're going to kill my people? And the king, he's oblivious. You know, he's got, he, he, a king doesn't have to work. A king doesn't have to worry. A king, he's got advisors to do that. But a bad advisor came and gave him bad advice. So he said, what? What are you talking about? They're going to kill your people. He says, yes, there was a decree that was made to kill all the Jewish people. And he starts to remember, ah, yeah. And all the Jews are supposed to die like, like 10 months from now in the future. And they're supposed to be killed and slain because of something that you wrote. What? He's over there. And this is the man right here. They gave it to you. And so Haman becomes terrified. He's just, you know, and he begins to, he says, he, he did it. Yeah, you, you signed a decree. And your decree is such that it's going to be carried out. And by the way, king, I'm a Jew. And so then Haman is horrified. Oh, he, he knows God's going to choose between, or king will choose between her or me. I don't think so. <laughs> He's going to cast lots, maybe? I don't think so. There's no chance here. Is it? You've been a Haman, you've been set up. You've been set up for a great fall. And so then he tries to figure it out, and he, and he pleads with the queen, and he throws, and the king, he, he's furious because I've been duped by my own, the man I trust and elevated, and he's going to kill all the Jews, including my wife. And so he's outside pacing. He's outside pacing for this reason. Whatever a king says cannot be undone. It's there. And this applies to King Jesus. Whatever King Jesus has said, it applies. This is why the emphasis right now, we need a revival of Jesus named baptism. That's because what Jesus declared, Jesus the king said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. The decree went out. It cannot be reversed. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in the name. Among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The decree went out. It had to happen. To go away and tear and sit, do they been do with power from on high? You shall receive the Holy Ghost. The decree went out. It cannot be reversed. That is salvation. From the king, and it cannot be reversed. No, 
T.D. Jakes can do it. Billy Graham can reverse anything. Anybody preaching, even a backslid apostolic preachers cannot reverse nor say the king's voice does not apply in our day. The king's voice is the law. And so the king, the king is outside pacing around wondering, man, I'm in a deal. He says, I offended my wife. She's my wife. And I don't know, what, what am I going to do with this situation? He goes back in. And so when he walked back in, this was a clincher. When he walked out, Haman thought, if I plead my cause to her, maybe she'll have mercy on me. So she, she's, she's laying on a couch, and then he goes and throws herself on the couch and pleads with her. The king walks in, and he says, what? You're a, now you're attacking my wife? <laughs> and so they went, and they put a sack over his head, and they carried him out. They hang him. And so they hung Haman. Now, this is the part that, that's important, well, just as important, is that the king is now wondering. And he says, they hang Haman. She says, he tells her, honey, I'm so sorry. I, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you the house of Haman. All this property now belongs to you. What he meant to do to, to everyone I'm going to give you his house. I'm going to give you all his property. Everything that he owns is going to belong to you. It belonged to you. And so when Mordecai came in, and she said to Mordecai, Mordecai, I'm going to give you all that the king has given to me. You own the house of Haman. And so she says, and this one thing I asked, the Lord later on said, or the king said, what else? Whatever you ask of me, I'm going I'm to do for you. He said, well, I think I'd like to have the ten sons of Haman hung. Well, that's not such a bad thing because they're already dead. The Bible says they, this is what happened at the very end. So that day arrives, and they're going to kill, they're going to fight. And so the king says, I cannot change the decree. I cannot do it. He says, my orders cannot be reversed. They can't be reversed. But I can't add to it. You, I gave permission for them to be attacked, for all of you to be attacked. But now I give permission for all the Jews for the next 10 months to go arm yourselves. And go all, all the weapons that you can. There's no fighting up to that day. So all the Jews were ecstatic that they get to fight instead of be bullied. Now, this is a very important point right here because God gives the Jews. You see, the battle is always the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord did all these miracles. They just went out by faith. And then the Lord would give them the victories. This victory has that in it, but at the same time, it doesn't involve God did a great miracle to kill them. He didn't rise up. They did, the, the evil force didn't kill each other or, or heard a rumor and they fled. No, that's not what happened. This is one time in the scripture that I found that the Jews actually fight as a nation and overcome. That they actually take it into themselves. So they're given permission. The next 10 months, they arm themselves. And so when they arm themselves... The day is arriving, uh, and so the fear, of the, the fear of the Jews starts coming upon the people. 
Notice the name of God is not in this book. So it says the fear of, it doesn't say the fear of the Lord fell on them. It says the fear of the Jews fell on them. And so they began to wonder, oh, maybe perhaps, I'm not so sure. How about you? We should go fight them. You know? Perhaps the king was a bit too hasty, which he was. And so the Jews all got ready for it. And so when that day came, there were individuals that went regardless. There might have been soldiers, officials, apostles. All of them were able. But when they started fighting, the Bible says this, that all the officials fearing the king did not attack the Jews. In other words, people that were in authority. So it tells me the army didn't attack, but all the greedy people outside of that that still went against them, they attacked the Jews. And the Jews lost up to, I forgot, I think something like 70,000 people in one day. They defeated those that came to take their wealth, that came to take everything from them. They fought on that day, and they defeated the enemy. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. <clears throat> they, uh, they stopped the enemy in their tracks. They defeated them. And so... After, when this took place, they started, what the scripture says, rejoicing. Let me see if I can find the verse to confirm that for you. Uh, and the king said unto Esther the queen, the Jews have slain and destroyed 500 men in Shushan, the palace. That's 500 men just in that palace that they killed. And the 10 sons of Haman, they killed them already. What must be done with the rest of the king's provinces? And so the king said, what? Queen Esther, what would you like for me to do? The king's son had been slain, but she says, let them be hung because she wanted a public demonstration of, of, so that others would be afraid of the king's commandment. Now, this is an amazing thing because what took place when they hung them is that in the scriptures, when the scrolls were written sideways, when it came to the 10 sons of Haman and they were written, they were not written Across like that, they were written up and down, one up and another. They were hung. And then the sentence began again because it showed that that's what happened to the enemies of God. Cursed is, the Bible says, Jesus said this, cursed is the man that hangeth on a tree. From the gallows. Those men are cursed. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus became a curse when he was crucified on a tree and he received the curse that God had proclaimed because he crucified him and put him on a tree. So that put that he became accursed. Jesus did for you and I. Not that any sin, but for the sins of the world. He became accursed for us. We, who should be accursed, are not accursed because Jesus became accursed for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We should feel the love of God, amen, what he has done for us. And so the ten sons of Haman are hung. Another important point is that when they, when they, in our day, in 1946, when they arrested the most prominent officials from the Nazi regime, there was 10 of them that were taken and they went to the Nuremberg trials and they hung 10 of the officers. And the last one to die said, Purim, he yelled out, Purim, 1946, like God has struck again and they were all dead the 12 sons of Haman. It's an amazing thing how God has done these things and shows us that he is the one, like in the book of Esther, working behind the scenes. And even though it looks like history, chance history here and there, there is absolutely zero chance to it. God is orchestrating the last days right now. 
He's bringing to fruition the prophecies that he has, he has told us would happen. Just, just the way he has saved the nation then, he's going to save the nation, or he's going to save the Jews from their enemies. Now, in Esther 9.18, it said, But the Jews that were at Shushan assembled together on the 13th day thereof, and on the 14th thereof, and on the 15th day, and of the same they rested, and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Now, <clears throat> they fought on the 13th day. One group that was outside, they fought, and then they, they, they fought for two days. They fought on the 13th and the 14th, and they rested on the 15th. I believe in the palace, or, or it might have been reversed. They, they, they had two days. 13th and the 14th. But when the decree came out so that everybody would be on board, they chose that on the 14th and the 15th day would be days of celebration of the festival of Purim. And it says in Esther number 9 and 21, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month of Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly. So that was the decree that went to all the Jews that they're going to keep it from that point on, that they should keep this. And then it tells us in Esther 9.28, and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, and that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial of them that perish from their seed. So, this is why we at Morningstar feel that it's important to understand this, that it is a very important time. I believe to me, it says this, that, that every one of us should be prepared to fight. Not so much with swords and wrestle against flesh and blood, but we should learn how to fight spiritually. God has given us permission to fight. Yeah. Amen. We were, we were bound, but now we're loose. We're prisoners of the devil, but now we've been set free. We're captive. We didn't. We were in darkness, but now we have light. In other words, we have freedom, and we have to have that ability to know that there comes a point in time where you have to fight for those around you. You have to pray for those around you. You have to thank God because ultimately we do what God gives us permission to do, and we will get the victory. Sometimes things that we, we did it ourselves and we go through a lot of stuff, but it is God that gives us the ability, whether it's just a little bit for that day. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. If it's just enough calories, spiritual calories for that day to get you by, then you take it and you move on with God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> now this is... I'm going to now mention a few things. Let me see if I forgot. I might have forgot something here, but. I've got everything. Now, this is what's amazing about, <clears throat> about God, the, our, our great king. You know that the soul of the sinner, they shall die. That's, we're all sinners, correct? We were all destined to die. That was the king's decree. But God did something else for us. Amen. Amen. He said we're all doomed. <clears throat> just the way these people were. But God sent his 
only son. God manifested himself in the flesh. He called the flesh that he was in his son. The son called the father that was in him the father of all because he was spirit. So he's the father, son, God. He is, he is all God and all man. Not part God, not half God and half man. He's all God and all man. Amen. So that's the difference. That's what makes him so special. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but didn't have sinful flesh. He never sinned. And he didn't have the sin nature of Adam that had death in that flesh. It was different. So he is God in the flesh walking around here. And so this is the one they crucified. He came to be crucified. They couldn't do it without it being in the will of God for it to happen. The very worst happened to Jesus. Having never sinned, he, he became sin. He didn't sin to become sin. He took on the sins of the world. And so this is where, since he did this for us, the decrees changed. We who were, now, we who were dead in sin have now become, life has come into us. And we owe it because what has happened, the decree that we have to die has been changed. We can live now because Jesus came to set us free. He came, he brought his body, his body back up from the dead and therefore became a new man. He glorified his own body, and so God was now pleased to declare that he is the Lord. Therefore, when they saw him, they would look at Jesus and say, my Lord and my God. And so you look at Jesus and say, my Lord and my God, not my Father and my Son and, 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 and other, other manifestations. No, they call him my Lord and my God. That's who Jesus is. He's Lord, both Lord and God. He's both Lord and Savior. So when you have Jesus, you have it all. Amen. It just takes time to say, Lord, reveal yourself to me. That I might be singleness of heart and follow you. Now, <clears throat> what time do you have? I've got 10 minutes, or I'm 10 minutes over. Eight it's 8 right now? Man, that internal clock must be working in. Praise the Lord. I don't, look, it's not magic. I don't have a watch over here. Not sorcery. No, actually, it's anointing now. Praise the Lord. Well, let me finish by saying this. You've been such a good audience. I appreciate your willingness I feel, like, I feel like, once again, I gave you a testimony, a short testimony of an event that happened in my life. Some of you have not heard it. Some of you have heard it. Not again. For, 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 for 30 years, maybe. In 1990, I had, a, I had a dream vision. And I had the same dream three times. I named the dream one time, but each time it got... I dreamt I was in the desert where, I, where I'm familiar with going to a set of mountains on my right and I'm walking through it and I saw a storm developing over my right out of the corner of my eye. There was like a storm happening. Like one of our, what do you call them, haboobs here? And they're going rolling, rolling, rolling and, and I could see it and, and then I looked at it and it was this, this storm in the desert. And then I woke up and it was 
It was pretty vivid. And so I, I went back to sleep. About three hours later, I woke up again because I dreamt the same dream. And it was more color, more vivid, more. This one had a, a feeling of fear in it. Like, like it's, it's something, something bad's about to happen. And then I woke up. And so I, I think I got up, drank some water, went back to sleep. About three hours later, right before I was supposed to go to work, I woke up again. I had the same dream, but it was in vivid color. It was very powerful. I could feel the emotion in it. And in essence, I can tell you this. It was like a tremendous amount of fear in the world, and I was feeling it. And this third time, it was really, really intense. And so in the morning when I woke up, I told Lydia, Lydia, I had a dream last night, and I think we're going to war. I said, it scared me. The third time, it scared me. For me to have it three times, never had, had that happened to me. And I know that uh, in the Bible, the witness of three different things happening like that have a meaning to them. And, and so it was unbeknownst to me, but within, within seven months, we were at war in a place called Desert Storm. And when they announced on, t- on, when they announced on television, they called it Operation uh, Desert Storm. I remember that the Lord said, that's what I'm trying to tell you. But I told my wife, I think we're going to war at that time. And uh, we did. But the unique thing was, I didn't, even, I didn't even see it that, but I remember hearing the news say, say somehow some commentary was going on that the war was only 30-some-odd days long, I think it was. I mean, it wasn't even a war. It was just a bunch of commotion getting the world, getting this feeling that I felt. And so 12 years later, in 2003, after the destruction of the Twin Towers, uh, we were in a church, and we were here, and I'm teaching on a Bible Wednesday like this, and I, and I told them that, that event, and I said, you know, have, we're having pretty close to, uh, they destroyed the Twin Towers, and we didn't know what was going to happen in the world. Things were changing, and so we're coming up near Purim, and so I decided, you know, I said, you know what? That last war ended on Purim, and I said, church, you know, let's keep our eyes open. Perhaps the next war is going to start on Purim. It's because that one ended, this one started. The President Bush, the senior, was a president back then. I think Clinton was in between, and then Bush again. And the same thing was happening. It was like we were having like a deja vu almost, but it was different. And so this war was getting bigger. And so this time they were going to attack the Jews. If there was a war, they were going to attack the Jews. And so the war started, and it started on Purim. And so I was, I was like astonished. I was like, it's almost like casting lots. <laughs> you know, that's my lucky day. And I, yeah. But it wasn't nothing to do with me. It was just analyzing the data, un, un, analyzing the patterns of the Bible and saying, you know what? And, and it might be possible that we might be at war because, you know, we're sending stuff over there and we're getting ready for it. Nobody knew when it was going to start. We're going to surprise Saddam Hussein. Can't. I mean, that little nation, though, all the nations getting together, it was sort of ridiculous. But sure enough, they were supposed to have weapons of mass destruction. Anyway, that war ended after not very long. And so then when that happened, it happened in prayer, and I said, Lydia, or I, or I told the churches, in fact, I said, there's a third war coming. It's going to be a big one. And it might have something to do with Purim. Or, but in essence, I know that it's going to be a feeling to it, and I'm thinking, I, don't, I can't say it's going to be a war in Purim, but I can tell you this. We have, I have the feeling of the dream where there was a feeling of fear, and nobody knows what's going to happen. The last one was more intense, and it felt like 
it was scary that just a feeling of what was about to happen in the near future or within years. I, I, don't, I can't tell you. I can't really, you know, I, I don't want to play prophet, but I'm just trying to tell you the, the experience of a watchman of what happened. And so my, my feeling was that this next war is going to be a big one. Well, Purim is going to be what? This next uh, Saturday? Actually, on the calendar, it says the, the 5th and the 6th of the days of celebration. I don't know which ones are actually correct. Anyway, it happens in there. 4th, 5th, or 6th. You can make your own choice what days they are. But what's unique is that is that what is, what, what is happening right now in the Ukraine and Russia, and Russia is threatening to attack the nations there because, believe it or not, they're sending drones. Crazy Ukrainians are sending drones to hit what they call Mother Russia right now. They hit, they're going in there and attacking. They're actually attacking Russian people inside Russia. Now, the, Putin said he's not going to have it, and he's going to fight the people that are behind this. Guess who's behind it? You might say Biden. Biden no, don't know what's happening, okay? So it's not Biden. He didn't know what's happening. He, he doesn't know what's happening. He's been watching for five, ten minutes. He does not know what's happening. It's sad. He's our, he's our president. I can't say he's your president. He's our president. He's my president. I pray for him. Lord, you know, save us. Give him... <laughs> I said, it'd be funny. Save us. Amen. Amen. We need, we're living in such a serious time. And this is how the, this is how the enemy is seeing it. The, the enemy sees it this way. They have no leadership in the West. America is the leaders of the free world. They're saying, we, they don't have, they, we, they don't even have... Their, their way of fighting a war is we're going to, if we go to war against America, we're going to decapitate America. We're going to destroy their leadership, and then we're going to deal with, with from that point, it's going to be a different thing. So they don't have to decapitate America right now. They're all, they're all either following, they're all either following Biden and his green agenda, or the rest of them are hating Trump. But nobody is paying attention to the enemy out there called Russia, China, yes, and all the, uh, all the Arab nations that want America, call America the great Satan. They, they know their day has arrived. They'll never have, they can't afford to have a man president in there that's going to actually recognize the danger. America has paid the price of uh, being influential and being haughty and thought it's everything that we can't be attacked. Babylon, the greatest country, nation that had ever risen in the ancient world, was destroyed overnight. So this is what we're facing right now. We're facing some serious th issues right now. And we need God's protection to keep... The, you see, it might be the decree to destroy America soon, sooner than we hope. But prayer, God said, but we have the right to petition God. All right? Let's say God's decree. We can petition God. Don't let it happen right now, Lord God. That, that it, we can pray. We can ask God, Lord, 
save us, save your children, save your people, which I believe he is. But I don't rule out something terrible happening that's going to, that's going to freak everybody out. I pray. I'm not wrong. It's just, a ta- it's just a matter of time. I mean, it's just a matter of time that it's going to happen. So it, it is a time to really be sober. Whatever you're really into, you ought to really think about it if it's keeping you from the things of God and the fear of God. And you ought you to make, you ought to focus right now that you need to prepare to meet your God, Amen. whether it's a rapture or whether it's a warfare or whatever's going to take place. There's still going to be a rapture in the near future, and it would be something that it would happen to save us from this event because this is leading to the Gog-Magog war. Right. And I never thought we would, we would see the Gog-Magog war, and I pray that we don't. Now, this is why it fits so perfectly in this ter- time period right now. If Russia attacks within let's say a month or two or maybe a little more. The Bible says this, that after Russia is destroyed, it will take seven months to pick up their weapons and to bury the dead. That will take us to the time of tabernacles. So if it's a, liberal, so if it's a, if it's a limited war, if it's a, if it's a regional war, God help those that are involved in that thing. And we don't want nothing to happen like that. But we pray and we believe this, that God is going to... Now, this is not the tribulation, all right? We're talking about the tribulation is going to be much worse than this. Because except the Lord shorten those days, there shall no flesh be saved. That's what it says. But the Lord is involved. Stand with me today. So, that's the worst thing for me. I I don't want this to be the year that that thing that I saw happens. So I'd be happy for it to say, oh, yes, it didn't happen. It's not happening this year. But if it happens, we know that God declares and he protects us and watches over us. And he tells us things before they happen. Can you say amen to that and clap your hands to the Lord? (laughs) So lift your spirits up. We're going to have a good time Saturday. And the Bible tells us, Jesus commands it, no matter what we're going through, fear not. Fear not. And the Lord says, when you begin to see things also, don't be afraid. These things must come to pass. So you fight fear no matter what. And by the grace of God, we're all going to come out on the other side, shining like the stars of heaven. Can everyone say amen to that? Praise the Lord. God bless each and every one of you.